Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. chapter 19 today and starting with verse 16 this is a familiar passage for most of us um is it ringing is it are we okay on we're okay on okay okay it's a little echoier up here on stage i think than it is out out there matthew chapter 19 and starting with verse 16 there's a part of us that that we, we know this passage it's the rich young ruler that comes to jesus and says what do i need to do to inherit eternal life and and, and, and he's a good person. He's done many good things. And Jesus says, well, what you're missing is that you need to sell everything and give it to the poor. We'll read it here in a minute. And, and there's a part of us when we read this, part of us can't quite get what this guy's problem is. He clearly obeys the Old Testament. Christ himself tells him, if you do this, you will go to heaven. We would love those kinds of guarantees in our life today. So there are so many people that would love to be told by Jesus, if you do this, you're going to heaven. We would love it if faith was that easy. But there's another part of us that is horrified by this passage because what Jesus tells this man to do is really difficult. Sell it all? Uh, what, what if I, that was me back then? What, what if back then Jesus said, Jason, all those, all those board games and books in comic books that you collect, get rid of all of them. That, that, would, that, would, that would, for me, a, a lifetime of collecting these, these things that I enjoy, that would, that, that would be heartbreaking. Um, this man clearly knew that he was lacking something in his faith. He felt empty. He knew that something was missing. And, and the problem was that he thought that what defined him, the thing that defined him, uh, it broke his heart to find out that that was what was going to damn him. That, that the thing that he enjoyed most in life, his possessions, his, his money, was the thing that was keeping him from God. And I, and I think why this passage makes us squirm is it's the same for us. That which we allow to define us has the potential to destroy us. We also want to know what it takes to get to heaven, but we also often put limits on where we'll give up? You know, but perhaps we're asking the wrong question to begin with. Uh, perhaps the question, what's in it for me, is, is what undergirds this and what too often uh, motivates us as well. So I want to read this passage, Matthew, uh, Matthew 19, uh, starting with verse 16, and see where this man gets it wrong and see uncomfortable though it is, let's see if we can find ourselves in this passage. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Now, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Well, which ones? The man inquired. And Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, well, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or fields, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. I do think that the first thing that jumps out at us is how good our God is. We have a good God. Let me say, this man reminds me of so many people that we know. What do I have to do to go to heaven? I've been, the number of people who, this is the reason why people join cults. Cults spell out, if you do X and Y and Z, you get this. True faith is harder than that. The Bible tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but what your relationship with God through Jesus looks like is going to be a little bit different than mine. And we don't tell you do this and this and this, and you go to, we tell you follow the Bible. And people don't like that because they want something a little more concrete and a little simpler as well because this is a big book. And, and, and people join cults because cults are for, are, frankly, cults are for lazy people. Cults are what people join when they want some cult leader to say, if you do this and this and this, I promise you'll get this reward. But we don't need that because the Bible has told us, draw close to God through Jesus Christ, his son, follow what God has told us, but, and it's hard. And so this guy, he'd followed the Old Testament. Something was lacking. So he says to Jesus, what do I have to do to go to heaven? What do I have to do to get eternal life? What it, and, and with that, and this is why people join cults, what's the least amount of effort that I can put into this to be guaranteed my reward? And again, you get to cults. I mean, I, I knew a girl that, that literally, when she, the, the, the cult that she was in, they would tell her what to wear. God, you know, God, God doesn't care if I wear a blue shirt or, 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 a, or a red shirt one day. I mean, that's kind of crazy, but some of these cults will get into that. And there's this false sense of security on if I eat certain food and, and I wear certain colors and I, I, I do this and this and this, then I'm good. But true faith is not about these external things. It's about being Christ-like in all that we do and say. Um, this guy says, what's... The, and I do think that this guy is asking for what the least is that he can do to get by. Um, Somebody's going to say, but it isn't the least, right? I mean, he, he was following all these Old Testament commands, right? So, so he, was, he was doing a lot. Yes, that, that's true. But notice the emphasis. And notice what he never mentions. What do I have to do to get eternal life? Notice who he doesn't mention. There's nothing in here about God. 
There's nothing in here about drawing close to God. It's not, how do I know God better? How do I follow God better? It's, what do I got to do to get to live, to get even better rewards? He's already got riches on earth. What do I got to do to have even more eternal riches? This emphasis is on him, and the emphasis is on what he can do. There's no, there's no God here. This is where we as Christians are blessed in knowing that we can't earn our way into heaven. Your good deeds and the good things that you do are garbage before God, literally. I mean, that's, that's, the Bible says that our good deeds are like rubbish before him. Compared to the goodness of God, you're not good. And you at your best are not good compared to God. Jesus tells this man that very thing. Only God is good, he says. Not all the things that you've done. You're not good, Jesus says. Only God is good. All these things that you have done, you can't earn God's love that way. Jesus emphasizes this covenant relationship that God had with the people of Israel through his commands. We, we live in a day when people don't want to talk about obedience um, as, as if that, that no longer matters to God. Uh, but, but those are things that God still cares about. This man sticks to the idea that he must do some good deed. He jumps on the commandments. This man knew, and yet this man knew that he was lacking something. And, and he was right. He was lacking eternity with God. Uh, maybe even lacking God. Uh, following the commands, if they don't draw you towards God, I mean, the point, the point of all of the Old Testament was drawing close to God. It, it wasn't following rules. It was drawing close to God. And if this guy was going through the motions, I mean, you could go to church Sunday morning, if we were to start up Sunday night service again, Wednesday night, midweek Bible study, Thursday night Bible study. You could do all these things, uh, give to the offering plate, servant common ground, we did that yesterday. And you could do all these different things that we do. If you're not drawing close to God, it's just stuff. The point of all of this is to be is to draw close to God and to be Christ-like. In his heart, this guy knew that no amount of commandments or good deeds were enough. He knew that he was following the entirety of the Old Testament. He knew that he wasn't there. No amount of charitable donations, no amount of helping old ladies across the street will get you into heaven. We know that. At heart, we get it. And at heart, he knew it. He knew that he was still in trouble. What, what good thing must I do to gain eternity... But it's the wrong question, isn't it? What he should have asked, what we should be asking, what must I do to see God? How do I draw close to God? Because that, that has to be our goal. That has, has to be our focus. We focus too much on God's stuff, and we don't focus enough on God. The point isn't streets of gold. The point isn't mansions with many rooms. The point isn't a city with 12 gates. The point is that God is there, and we will be in his presence. And, and we want to draw close to God, not go to his house. That's the relationship. That's what we're after. The man's emphasis is on good deeds, but Jesus emphasizes that we have a good God who loves us and who wants us to draw near to him. Let that be our focus. And so that's the first thing that jumps out at me, is that... that Jesus' emphasis is on a good and loving God. And what this guy was after was cheap grace. We can't have cheap grace. We're, we're not, I, I want to emphasize, uh, we're not saved by good deeds, 
somebody's going to say, well, then I can do whatever I want to, right? And some have said this. This is the problem of the world that we live in. And, and uh, uh, cheap grace is this, is this idea that since God has saved us, do whatever you want to do because that's God's job is to forgive you. That's not following God. That's not Christ-like. We have a problem in the church of the 21st century, especially in America, that we like things easy. And we like it our way right away. You know, I used to live in, in, in the twin cities of Champaign-Urbana. Pamela's from Champaign. I was living in Urbana, Illinois. And that was a, that was a crazy place to live in the late 90s. Uh, it had the lowest unemployment in the U.S., Unemployment rate was below one percent um, at a time when other you know other cities and other parts of the country were were struggling with with uh, uh, unemployment rates. You had to try to be unemployed in Champaign Urbana. There were more jobs than there were people. There were, um, and yet, you know, at less than one percent unemployed, I swear I knew the entirety of that one percent. All of my friends would sit around and complain that they didn't have a job, they didn't have any money, and it was one of those things, I was a locksmith at the time, and it's like we permanently had a help wanted sign on the front of the store. Uh, people, uh, I, I was in a game club, uh, you guys know I like my board games and, and, and things, I was in a game club and, and it had like 100 members, and to listen to like 50 of them complain about being unemployed, and I would make the announcement, we're hiring, please come down and apply, no experience necessary. And I'd make this announcement to 50 people that would be complaining about having no job, and I'd never see any of them. They, it was easier to sit around and play video games all day and complain that they didn't have any money and, and, and beg a little bit off mom and dad maybe or grandma and grandpa or whatever. They, they, it was easier to not do anything than to actually put the effort into it and, and get a job. I, I, I was embarrassed on their behalf, but they weren't embarrassed. Uh, I, I, you know this. We live in an entitlement generation. We have people that just think they deserve stuff because they're people. Uh, uh, you know, we if I don't have to get a job to have a house or a car or all the things that somebody else has worked hard for, I deserve it just because I exist and I breathe. The Bible doesn't say that, does it? The Bible says those who don't work don't eat. It's just very simple on that. Um, but but worse, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too deep today because that's not the point. Worse is that we have an entitlement faith generation. I get I deserve to go to heaven because I'm me, and God owes me salvation because look how amazing I am. It's all about me, and we and we church hop. We hunt for the church that we get the most out of. You know, does this church have the best music that I like? Does this church have the best youth programs that I like? Does this church have a preacher that I like? And, and what we should be asking is, where can I serve? Where can I, where, not, not what do I get out of it, but, but what can I give? How can I, how can I serve people? Um, I, this entitlement faith generation, we, we've bought into this cheap grace we want to be Christians when it's easy and when it's convenient and when it doesn't cost us anything. So, you know, it is Palm Sunday, and I want to look at, uh, I want to look at the example that we see in Palm So turn over a couple chapters, Matthew chapter 21, the triumphal entry. Crowds of people shouting Hosanna with palm leaves. 
Matthew chapter 21, verse, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Well, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very loud crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee, and we know what happens. That's Palm Sunday. And it's not even five days later that these same crowds that shouted, Hosanna, shouted, Crucify him. Too much effort to follow him. They, they liked party Jesus, the one that brought the celebration. They did not like Lord Jesus, who told them how to draw close to God. And it would mean denying themselves, giving up maybe the things that they thought defined them. Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, sell all that you have and give to the poor for treasures in heaven. But the cost was more than this guy was wanting to pay. To follow Jesus meant that his life was over. He was sad because he wasn't willing to pay the cost. And that should make us squirm a little bit. What about us? In order to follow God, there may be things that we need to get rid of in our life. Are we willing to do that? Because if not, he is not Lord. But that may be painful. The false, cheap grace is that all you have to do is ask Jesus into your heart and you're going to heaven. And there's nothing biblical about that. There's not, the Bible doesn't say ask Jesus into your heart. That is not the plan of salvation. Um, and throughout the New Testament, we see that the cost of following Jesus is, is not easy. That there is suffering, that there is persecution, that there is denying yourself, that there is putting death to self. This is not the talk of cheap grace. We want an easy Jesus. But Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. And take up your cross does not mean, does not mean easy. That's what following Jesus requires. Some days, it's very difficult to follow Jesus. Worth it, but it will not always be easy. We have to take up our cross. And so... This tells us, and we read this, the point is that we do need to learn to prioritize in our lives. We need to have the priorities that God wants us to have. The question at the end of the day that this man is asking is, can I get what I want? And that's not what righteousness is, is it? If you want to inherit the kingdom of heaven, well, you can't just want to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven is not a place. And it's not eternal life. It's about the king, 
The kingdom of heaven is about the king. The focus is on God. Not on you, not on heaven, not on eternal life. The focus is the king. The kingdom of heaven is where the will of God is the only thing that matters. And if the will of God doesn't matter to you now, you're going to hate heaven. It's a place where God's will is always in effect. I I am a true believer that those who go to heaven want to be there. And I'm a true believer that those that don't go to heaven don't want to be there. They have no regrets. Because if they don't like following God now, for a few short years that we have on earth, they will be miserable in heaven. Um, We have to step back and take a look at what our priorities are and see if we really do want to go to heaven with those understandings, that it it is where God is permanently in charge. If at the end of the day, it's all about us, then we won't like heaven. If we're selfish, if we're self-focused, if we talk about ourselves all the time and we can't, we can't talk about others, and, 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 and if we, you know what I mean, if we're always trying to get the attention on us and our, and our lives are focused on us, we've, we've missed what God is calling us to be. This guy follows the commands. Not to draw near to God. I think it's to be self-righteous. I think he likes the attention. I think he likes to stand, but Jesus talks about the Pharisees that stand on the street corners and effectively say, look at how awesome we are. Look at how holy we are. And that's the opposite of, of that. This guy has a problem. His priorities are about him and his possessions and his money. We know this. The Bible says that money is one of the biggest hurdles to following God. Um, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, Jesus says. This, this is, this is, but let's take it deeper. It is a priority issue. Don't let stuff get in the way of your eternal relationship with God. Um, the, that's a big mistake with long-term consequences. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The question is, how far are we willing to go to inherit the eternal life, the kingdom of God, living with God for eternity? Uh, how, how, how far are we willing to go for that? We, if my daughter was sick, and the treatments that it took to treat her were astronomical in price, there is not a comic book, there is not a book, there is not a board game that I would not sell to help her. We know this, right? I don't, I don't even think I'm special in this. What about our relationship with God? Would we not do the same? We should. I think because we can't see God with our, with our eyes, that, it, that, that distance is, uh, that we, we forget just how important this is, and it's so easy to blow it off and say, okay, we're right with God. But we may have things in our life that need to go. Abraham Oh, there's a passage that makes me squirm. What about you? God said, what about your son, Isaac? Sacrifice him to me. Now, he didn't have to go through with it, but he thought he was going to have to go through with it. Preacher and professor Keith McCaslin said, some of you, and this is a bold statement, he said, some of y'all hearing this when he was preaching, 
need to quit your jobs and go to Bible college. And I say this because it's been an interesting thing the last, in the last year. We've had uh, a year or two ago, Cincinnati, we don't have a whole lot of Bible colleges in the Restoration Movement. Cincinnati Christian University is closed. Lincoln Christian University, my alma mater, I've got a couple of degrees from there, they just closed their campus. They're, they're online only now. And they used to have a whole lot of degrees, but they're cutting back to two. Um, our Bible colleges are, are, are closing. And with the closing of the Bible colleges, we're going to have less preachers. We all like to do our own thing. We all, like to, we, we all expect somebody else to maybe take up the mantle of being a missionary or a preacher. Somebody else can read the Bible and study it and become an elder. Um, somebody else can become a Sunday school teacher. We don't have very many Sunday school teachers here. We used to, we used to try to do first, first through fourth, five through eight, nine through twelve. We don't, have, we don't have enough people to do that right now. And so we've got sixth graders and seniors in high school in the same Sunday school class because it's somebody else's problem to, 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 to study the Bible and, and, and train up to do that. Um, when everybody says that, the church is in a mess. You can have great attendance and have a really unhealthy church if you've got great attendance that's an audience. The cost of following Jesus is not about you and what you get out of it. A relationship with God includes service. How far are we willing to go to inherit the kingdom of heaven? What cost? We have to ask what cost would we be unwilling to pay? Is there something that if Jesus were here and he were to pull me aside and say, Jason, I need you to do this. It might, <laughs> if he said, sell your comic books, I, w- I would do it. I, I would cry, <laughs> but I would do it. I would be thrilled to know that that was something that he wanted me to do. I'm not sure that I've always been there. And that's the point of growing in our, in our faith is, is when we start to attack those things that we would not do and then say, God, I can't do this on my own. Help me to do this. And so let's bring this into kind of an application, kind of end bluntly with, with how do we apply this in our lives. Break this down for a minute. What, what's in the way for you? Think about that. For, for this guy, it was his money. It came down to a choice. Maybe for you, it's something else. Maybe, maybe, maybe you feel in your heart that there's something that is keeping you from drawing close to God. And, and, and maybe in our, in, our, in our deep, you know, maybe we don't know what that is, or maybe deep down we do and we don't want to admit it. I would like to invite you to get rid of that obstacle. Um, that doesn't mean I'm suggesting. I don't, I, I, I don't have the right to tell you what it is in your life. I don't know that that's my place. It's first and foremost between you and the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that I'm not willing to talk with you about it, but uh, I don't know that I'm, I, I'm not guaranteed to be right. I'm no prophet. Uh, but you and the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, or the Spirit knows and, and, and will tell you. Um, we, we go for easy. And, and, and accountability is a biblical concept. In fact, I, I think of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. And the reason that AA works is that public accountability where they do trust each other. If you've got something within you that you think, I should get rid of this, if you don't tell anybody then it just stays in your heart. And maybe there is room to talk. Maybe, maybe there is room to talk it out with, with each other and to hold each other accountable. We, we shy away from public accountability, but I think it's very biblical. I want to look at Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, verse 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. 
They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all, and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. And when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. Boy, we wouldn't do that in America, would we? They openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scroll of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. A drachma is, is about a day's wages. So, you know, if you make a... varies from person to person, but even if you only make 100, uh, you know, 100 bucks a day, um, you know, and I know that there are people out there that do more, but if you make 100 bucks a day, uh, what is that? Isn't that like, isn't that like $5 billion? $5 million? $5 million? Thank you, Kenny. That's a lot of money. That, that's a lot of burning books, burning scrolls. Um, what they calc- when they calculated the values of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Um, the, days of, the days of publicly confessing our sin and holding each other accountable, we've become such a private, private people that, that I want to encourage you that part of the point of the church is to hold each other accountable. Um, I'm here if you want to talk. It doesn't have to be me. There's nothing... There, there's, there's no reason that you can't talk with, with each other. But I do, I do encourage you, if there's something in your life that is keeping you from drawing close to God, um, get rid of it and, and do yourself a favor and, and share that burden with somebody else. The, boy, a powerful line I remember from Bible college. Um, uh, when, the, when the church gets it wrong, the Christian army shoots its own wounded. Let's not do that. Um, a, 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 a good Christian, a Christian brother, a mature Christian brother or sister, if you confess your sin, they will say, praise God. That you're able to confess that. A bad person will say, shame on you, but we're not that people. If someone comes to you and says, this is what I'm struggling with, we praise God that they, have the, that, 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 that they trust us, that they see in us, that we, can, that we can be accountable with each other, that we are trustworthy, and we build each other up. Uh, we never we never condemn each other for our struggles. We have our own. If something is keeping you from drawing close to God, get rid of it. Eternity is too long to regret hanging on to something that isn't worth keeping. And so our hymn of invitation today is hymn number 453, Nothing But the Blood. And that's our priority. The blood of Jesus and nothing else. Uh, do you want to do it your way? Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week. I'll tell you what's in it for you, the chance to kneel.